Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' two-game series against the Chicago Cubs. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kuvis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins, on a quick road trip to Chicago, take two of two, sweeping the short two-game series against the Chicago Cubs. Dan, I don't know what it is exactly, but even when the Twins are as bad as they are, playing at Wrigley just makes it feel like it's a big moment. I think it's maybe because it's like, well... You don't normally play against an NL team, but it just, it adds some drama. I don't know why. And maybe it's just because they won. I'm saying this. Maybe I wouldn't have said this prior to the series starting. What do you think? There is, I think there is something to that. Playing at Wrigley is exciting and cool and different. I love seeing the Ivy. Yeah, I think it was just because they were kind of dramatic games. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of runs in the first game, some drama late in the in the second game. So that was fun, at least. I mean, it was two fun games and they won them both. They haven't swept a series. I know it's only two games, but they haven't <laughs> swept a series in a long time. I mean, it's been the Tiger series right before the All-Star break. That is too long, Dan. My goodness. That's too long. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's like 15, 20 series. Oof, so. too many. But anyway, Oof. with that, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the series recap. Series recap. Game one, Dan. Twins win this one 9-5. to five. The batting lines, Dan, are just nuts here. So Buxton goes 2-5. for five. That's not that unexpected. Donaldson going 3-3. Three for three. Not super unexpected with how he's been playing lately. Kepler going three for five, unexpected. Gordon going three for five, unexpected. And then Mitch Garver in his return to the lineup. Bye bye, Ben Rortbet. So sad. You hit a home run off Barrios, you get sent down. That's how we're playing him. But anyway, Garver in his return, Dan, going three for five as well. What? What got into these twins? I think I was playing as them in the show. Like this felt like a game, you know, I left a lot of runners on base. I had a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position. Like this is how I play. Only one home run. Um, you know, I mean, they scored a lot of runs. They had a lot of opportunities just, but it was kind of a sloppy game. You know, yeah. a number, I think five players got hit by pitches over the course of the game. <laughs> Arise had an error. The Cubs had an error, but there were stolen bases. I mean, it had this fun, almost a national league feel in that sense where I feel like they were trying to move runners along and get that extra base. They were playing in the national league. You I, I, I know, but it was like, maybe Rocco is meant to manage in the national league. Maybe the twins should, you know how the Brewers switched, yes. you know, like 20 years ago. Maybe Rocco's waiting for that with expansion. Maybe they can move the Twins over. And then they want to play the Yankees every year. Oh my gosh, they would have solved it. Well, But you know what would happen even if they did that. The Twins would make the World Series and they'd lose to the Yankees in the uh, World Series. Wouldn't they? Oh, that would be what would happen. But anyway, Jack's got the start in this one. Goes three innings pitched. He gives up three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts, but gives up two home runs here, Dan. I don't know what it is. Jack seemed so promising out of the gate, and now it's like every time I see him throw the ball, I'm like, really? This guy again? And maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but he has just seemed to have a pretty steep drop-off since he first came up. Yeah, he's going to have to get some work done in the offseason with adding a pitch or just, you know, 
becoming a better pitcher. I really think that's Jax's job this offseason is to get better. Um, because if this is the, the Griffin Jax that the Twins, well, it's not the, it's not the Griffin Jax they're hoping to see, but if this is the guy who's going to be inserted in the fifth spot in the rotation, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I don't see him being that. It was interesting. So you and I had this conversation about who, who could come into camp with a guaranteed spot next season. And I was talking to, to Hoag's about this, and he's under the impression that nobody nobody has a guaranteed spot in this lineup next season. I think after game two, Joe Ryan does. I think Uh, Joe Ryan's got a spot. Yes, possible. We'll talk about him in a minute, but there are a couple other notes here with game one. So the series prior to this one, Buxton had a great catch in the outfield, but his head hit pretty hard on the ground. Everyone in Twins territory took a collective gasp there, holding their air in, Dan, just hoping, just hoping that Buxton would make his return to the field. He got up, though. He looked fine. And then, Dan, we get to experience that same moment again. Buxton gets hit by pitch on the foot. Dan, it's just, why? Why is it that anything, anything that can go wrong with Buxton seems to go wrong as far as him getting injured? Well, and the other part of it, too, to me, is that every time something like like that happens, he hits his head or he gets a pitch on the foot, he always gets up and stays in for a little bit. Yes. Like, so you can't even, like, count on, oh, he's okay. Because invariably, he'll come out later right? He stayed in game one, but then I was real nervous come this morning, Dan, when I saw that lineup post and he wasn't in it. Yeah. But then he came out and he he did pinch it in game two. No, Buxton worries me all the time, but then he makes wonderful plays. He can, he can hustle out a double. Um, He makes every catch in, in center that you would expect. I do have this question for you about him. Do you think he's capable of saying, hmm, Maybe I'm not going to run into the wall for this one because I know that this game is not important enough for me to make that catch. I th- I think so. Like I think even him diving for a ball, diving for a ball is routine enough for a center fielder that he shouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid to make that catch. But in the, yes. in the example that you've just laid out, running into the wall, no, I don't want him anywhere near the wall. Right? I want him stopping a good five feet short. If he can make the catch, great. If not, play it off the bounce of the wall. But diving for a ball, if you're going to tell him not to dive for a ball, it just seems kind of counterintuitive. Why are you in the field if your range of motion is going to be limited to, well, you can't really leave your feet, though. Well, speaking of range of motion, um, Nick Gordon had a pretty awful misplay in left field in this game. And I, I we got to give the guy grace, right? He's played, I think, every position but catcher, it feels yes. like, on this team. I, I like that he's willing to play just about anywhere on this team. So he has a role because I think his speed really gives them an extra edge. Yes, I would agree with that. And it was wonderful to see him with some offensive prowess in this one, going three for five. The home run. It's funny because just how small he looks like as a batter. Mm-hmm. And then to, so to see the ball leave the ballpark, you're like, whoa, I didn't even know he could do that. Last thing I wanted to point out is, did you look at the ERAs of the Cubs pitchers in this box? Uh, no. What's the Oh, deal? my gosh. So the best ERA of any pitcher that threw in game one was Efros. 4.35. That's the best ERA of anybody who threw. Oof. They ha- they had guys with n- ERAs above nine, above seven, two above five, another. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Cubs, right? They have no pitching. Well, to be fair, the Cubs were pretty active come the trade deadline. I don't think that they are. I mean, they're not looking to contend the season in any way, shape, or form, obviously, just like the Twins weren't either after the trade deadline. So it just, but it makes me feel better about the ERAs of a guy like Jorge Alcala, four point two eight. I mean, he'd be he'd be the closer right now for the Cubs. You realize why this is a terrible, terrible thought process, Wait. right? You're like, I'm going to pick the worst lineup of pitchers I've seen, and then compare the Twins lineup to it, so I can feel good about the guy who I kind of have have a soft spot for. 
you know, you have to you have to hold on to these things, David. It's something. <laughs> anyway, let's go to game two, shall we? Yeah, this one also very exciting. More exciting than it had any right to be because the Twins had a lead 4-2 and then the ninth inning came and things got funky. The Twins scored an insurance run in the top of the ninth. Very, very important, turns out, as the Cubs put up two in the bottom of the ninth. Not enough, though. Twins come away with this one 5-4. Dan, this is one where my heart was so so in the camp thinking that this game was going to come to an end with the twins losing i'm just really not letting myself care because colome was such he was such a a heart attack at the beginning of the season right i just can't go there right now with this team but it did it did have that feel like he was going to blow it but he got he got a guy to chase one of those cutters in the dirt that he loves to throw with guys on third base the umpire was all over the place and like Mm -hmm. colome works pretty low in the zone typically but it was very confusing because he would throw a pitch he'd call it a strike and i would said eh, i don't know that's kind of borderline he'd throw the same pitch they call it a ball that happened in like eight different pitches and you can see that the cubs batters were frustrated because they're like well what if without a consistent zone how are you supposed to know what to swing at and especially when the pitches are that close together that are getting called inconsistently what is a batter supposed to do that's true um though joe ryan had no issues with that we didn't even talk about him yet he had what a start yes so five innings pitched only two earned runs one walk 11 strikeouts i mean obviously that's the big takeaway era now at 2.45 again a skewed sample because we're looking at a small sample size as you mentioned earlier dan you feel that joe ryan will certainly be in the rotation next season i think absolutely now the other thing we have to couch this against though is after i looked at the eras of the pitchers i looked at the batting (laughs) averages and the names of these cubs hitters i mean what happened this team has been dismantled i know we don't see the cubs regularly but my goodness all those guys from those world series team I mean, it's just gone. They're gone. They're gone. And so I have, I have a very close friend who's a Cubs fan and a listener of the show. And I know that he was he, he was kind of thinking this is what was going to happen at the trade deadline. But I know that he is quite bummed. But I guess he's got the Bears now, which is more than I can say about our Minnesota Vikings, Dan. I know. And the Twins now evened up their record with the Cubs. They play in different divisions, obviously, but they're both 67 and 85. Uh, the Cubs, though, are in fourth place in their division. <laughs> I was all excited about this joke to make. That I was going to say that it would be great if Max Kepler could be a Vikings kicker because he does not have the ability to kick wide left, right? So, so, so that, that, <laughs> sure, that sure. was going to be my joke. And then Kepler, again, continues his hot streak here going three for four, two home runs. I don't know, Dan. I'm I'm sad that I didn't get to use that joke, but I'm also very happy that is this a turning point for Kepler? Do you think he figured something out or do you think this was just sort of a, a fluke moment for him? Again, he's playing the Cubs. He's <laughs> playing the Cubs, David. Yeah. Uh, I, this is a fluke moment. I, yes, you you missed your chance. This is your chance to have gone back to him in Puckett's picks. It really made a difference. Wow. I, I, oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. He's been so bad, Dan. Catch him all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's picks winner. Well, speaking of Puckett's picks, David, you once again failed to seal the deal. I don't know what else I can do. I thought I was kind of in a box. I had to take Buxton because you had taken Polanco and the listeners took Donaldson. Donaldson scores eight points. After that first game, I really thought that I had a shot. Buxton, though, comes short, only scores five points. Now, Dan, you took Polanco, which I would uh. I would accuse you of trying to tank, again, to keep the listeners' hopes alive for the season. <laughs> but Polanco was a good pick, and yet he scored negative two. I don't know what this effect is that you have on guys you choose, Dan, but I am not a fan. I have been off now 11 in a row on this. <laughs> I hadn't even bothered to scale back because I've been kind of rooting for the listeners for so long that I forgot my own ineptitude here. <laughs> I haven't won since the Rays series again with Arise. It was long ago. This wasn't the most recent Rays series. This is the one five before that. 
Um, well, you know, oh Dan, I, I guess you, you still have something to cheer for, though. So it is good that the listeners are here to, to keep you interested and motivated. But so season standings now, folks, this is so sad. The listeners have 16 wins. Dan has 13 wins. Again, Dan's out of it. And I have 19 wins. But I can still be caught by the listeners. I am quite frustrated that I can't just close this deal, Dan. I know. And you know what? They're playing the, playing the Blue Jays again next series. So... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, let's keep pushing, Dan. Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. I'm so happy to say that Nick Gordon is my beast for this series. Now, that left field play aside, I don't actually count any of his fielding errors in my calculations in my mind because... Fair enough. You know, the the poor guy should be in AAA anyway. Um, Really? But he's... Well, I say in in a perfect world, Nick Gordon is not on this roster this year. Right. There's but, no space for him. But a couple episodes ago, you thought he should be on the roster next season. Yes, I do. Because because all of these changes, I'm, I'm thinking in a world where Nelson Cruz is still on the team where, hmm, well, maybe he would be, I guess, because that's kind of you're going to need, we, you're gonna need missing, a couple other names there, we, <laughs> to give me a reason why he wouldn't be on the team right, right. now. All right. So maybe he would still wait. Oh, because they would have traded for somebody at the deadline <laughs> to bolster their lineup. See if they were making a playoff run. Anyway, I picked I picked Gordon. What about you? Yeah, I gave it to Kepler just because this seemed like such a such a great resurgence. Giving it to Gordon, I totally understand. That's probably the first time he's been named the beast ever, I think. Dan, I think right? so. Absolutely. We should have some sort of sounder or celebration for the first time when someone's named the beast, I think. Next year. We'll have to add that one next season. Yeah, well, we'll do that. But anyway, Kepler coming alive here, really responsible for the Twins' victory, at least in game two, and played a pretty significant role in game one as well. Again, I'm okay with you giving it to Gordon, even if I do think that in this case, Kepler was the better pick. But it, it is fun to give it to a guy who's never gotten it before. And I'll come back to Gordon, actually, in my, in my Rocco's Rewind here in just a minute with further justification for my choice. Good, good. And so who do you have on your bench? It has to be Polanco. Polanco struck out four times in six at-bats in game one. He almost had a Sano for five. Like, he almost had a Sano for six. <laughs> that, oh, that, that was disappointing. It was. I mean, he had an okay game, though, in game two. Well, he came in and pinch hit and hit a double. It's better than I could do, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, like, and I'm looking at my options here. I, nobody stood out as being more deserving of, of the bench than Polanco, I, I guess is how I'd say it. Okay, well, I'm going to give it to Sano. Uh, he went one for five in game one. He had two strikeouts, though, five guys left on base. And then in game two, he went 0 for four with a strikeout. And I think truly the biggest reason why I'm giving it to Sano is in the bottom of the ninth in game two, he had a wonderful play on a bad throw from Donaldson that brought Sano off the bag and he had to he had to jump I mean he had to get up to get this ball and then he swiped and was able to get the batter before he tagged first to get the out there but then immediately following Dan there's a ball hit to the shortstop granted it's a deep ball it's hit to Simmons Simmons tosses it not a great throw it's going to be a one-hop throw and the only reason really why this sticks out in my mind is Bramer initially said oh yeah Sano totally knocked that down to prevent the runner at third from scoring but here's the thing then we see the the replay Sano completely missed it if you watch the replay he closed his eyes as the ball bounces in front of him the only thing that knocked down the ball then it hit him in his bare hand it didn't <laughs> he didn't knock it down with his glove and he wasn't intentionally trying to knock it down with his bare hand he literally got a lucky bounce for it to hit his bare hand so that's this just, is where yeah uh, replay let us, lets him down there i think in that scenario yeah, yes and i think that just frustrated me a little bit because yes it wasn't a great throw but it's a one-hop throw if you're an adequate first baseman a one-hop throw especially one where you have a little bit of distance between you and the bounce you need to make that catch i think there's your error in logic Sano is not an adequate first baseman. <laughs> I think that's where, I mean, he's just not. That's not what he's there. He's not there for his defense. 
offense. Uh, no, uh, at first no. base. Well, that's true. But apparently, in this in this series, Dan, he wasn't there for his offense either. All right, let's go to Rockers Rewind. Rockers Rewind. Well, that was a good burn. That was a good burn. On thank you. There. Thank you. So I, I'm going to start us off here because yours is more interesting. But so I've talked about this before. But in this instance, when Colome is obviously struggling, where where he is, he is not hitting his spots, and guys are obviously seeing the ball out of his hand. I think Rocco needs to take a moment to compose himself and either send the pitching coach out there to calm Colome down or what I think is probably the best move to pull Colome in those moments. Again, with Colome, it's feast or famine. If he's off, there's a good chance if one guy gets on, that's not the only guy who Colome is going to let on the base pass. And I think Rocco needs to start to evaluate those situations when Colome is, is clearly struggling. My question for you, though, and I generally would agree, but who are you going to put in? I mean, you've already used Duffy in back-to-back nights. You've used Alcala in back-to-back nights. Are you just saying anybody out there in that situation? Pretty much anybody. Thielbar, I think he pitched the night before, but I think he he had the off date of the night previous. So I think I'd, I'd be okay with putting Thielbar in in that moment. But the thing is, you know it. I mean, how many times have we seen it where Colome has only given up one hit and then completed the inning cleanly? I'm not saying that, okay, if he gives up one hit, you have to pull him. I'm saying sure. that as soon as you see something more than one hit, it's pretty obvious to me, I guess, at what moment I would have pulled Colome in this game. And I guess Rocco's just pretty dang committed to having him as his closer at all costs. I, <laughs> uh, as we saw when he played in four straight games. And, yeah. and granted, I don't think Rocco even managed all those games. No. So it, it just seems to be like that's that's the marching order. Like whatever you do, Bill Evers, you have to use Colome in a closing situation. <laughs> like that was the one thing he said. He's texts like Dan Thompson asking for <laughs> fantasy advice as his wife's in labor. Same idea. Oh, there was more at stake for me than there was for Rocco, I think, in those situations. Uh, so. Likely, yes. I I, <laughs> oh, I don't man. really know. I didn't think that comment through. No, um, no, I, don't know I, I hope your wife doesn't listen to the podcast, Dan, because just <laughs> she so, does not. Just so we're <laughs> she does not clear, listen. You feel, you feel that Rocco's instructions for, for twins <laughs> pitchers coming out of the bullpen are more important than your wife giving birth to a child. Hold on. No, no, no. I, I feel like this. the logic of my answer has gotten twisted. I don't know. Just David. make another comparison here, Dan. All right. You, yeah, they've always go. worked out so well for you. I'm going to go with my Rockers rewind moment. And I'm going to say the way that at least they got a run in the ninth inning of game two was nice. It was the execution was kind of funny to me. <laughs> so the twins get two runners on. So actually Gordon doubles on a, a tricky play where the ball deflects off the pitcher's glove and then it deflects off the second baseman's glove. And then it goes into kind of that weird middle area in the outfield where nobody is. And then Jeffers walks on four pitches. And then Simmons tries to lay down a bunt and he he doesn't get it down and then the catcher throws to second behind gordon who is streaking to third gordon stops but then it's like he's gonna go back to second and then he actually goes to third and he gets third base so credit gordon there are you following this yeah i'm with you pretty tricky geographic (laughs) simmons then like try like tries to bunt again even with runners at first and and third what and then jeffers gets caught stealing second when gordon is maybe supposed to have gone home on a double steal but then maybe or maybe jeffers wasn't supposed to it was a weirdest situation it's like what are we doing here, guys? Can we not communicate <laughs> right at all? Happen. All that and matters is they got that run home, Dan. Well, and then Jeffers is out, and then Simmons hits a sack fly to right, and it's like, that was really complicated, guys. Yeah. Like, this could have been simpler. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been, Dan, but this was more exciting. It was more interesting. And at this point, Rocco's just trying to keep it interesting, Dan. He is. So, But at least, at least he recognized that the value there was to get one run to not try to make a big inning of it, and it turned out to be a really important run. Very important run. More important run than it should have been. I was thinking that, okay, great, we're ready to go. Colome should come in and shut the door. But anyway, let's keep moving here, Dan. Uh, Minnesota moment. 
Minnesota moment. I think you should get, you have a Gordon moment too. Yeah, so I really liked Gordon's home run. I, just because it was so unexpected and that it's not something that I really obviously expect Gordon to do. But my other my other moment here, Dan, if you didn't see Connor McGregor throwing out the first pitch, you gotta go watch this replay because the guy just launches it. I mean, it is <laughs> it is nowhere near home plate. It's, it's probably 30 feet to the right of home plate. Um, not a good first pitch he was very impressed with himself though now granted <laughs> i wouldn't say this to his face by any stretch but that was that was pretty embarrassing but you know it is one of those things baseball and throwing a baseball outside of the u.s it's a weird thing so when i when i was teaching english in china actually i had brought a baseball with me because we were talking about sports and i gave a ball to a kid and dan watching these kids try and throw a baseball who truly they only play they play ping pong and then they play badminton and they play a little bit of basketball and those are like the three sports they do so like to see them try and throw this ball was pretty comical Dan I guess when you think about what you're doing with your body to throw a baseball it probably looks pretty hilarious to yes. somebody who doesn't know baseball correct yes I'm gonna talk about the game uh, a little sure, bit more sure so we <laughs> we talked on this and I'm just I have a little bit more to say so Buxton getting hit on his foot Ugh. again that it is that kind of moment and feeling that has encapsulated the season, right? The, oh my gosh, is Buxton hurt? I have felt that many, many times. It's kind of like when, you, when you're when you walking through a room and you like you think you knocked over a vase and it's that teetering, falling feeling like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to catch it. Is it going to stay? Is it, uh. That's how I feel every time Buxton does something, gets hit on the hand or lands into wall or whatever it is. So I, I like to ask this question every few episodes, Dan. Gut check. Do the twins sign Byron to an extension over the offseason? Well, see, that relates to my musing. So hold that thought. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's musings. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. And then and then I'll answer your question. Do they just give this team a year to kind of simmer and see what happens? Like a nice tomato sauce? Like, do you just let it, it reduce is maybe where the, the metaphor breaks down. But you just kind of see what you got first before you invest more money into it. I would love to say that that's the approach they should take. Truly, Dan, for them to have any sort of chance to even stay relevant up until the trade deadline, they have to get more pitching. They have to. You can't stand pat in the offseason in pitching unless you're you're really willing to have a terrible first half of the season, and then you're just selling things off for parts, Dan. So that's kind of where it comes to my question, because I think if, if they could, in theory, sell Buxton on the long-term capacity for this team to be a winning team, because I think what the Twins are going to have to do, and we've talked about this, they're going to have to have young pitchers come up and be good before they go off and sign lucrative deals somewhere else, right? Like, don't you think, I mean, yes, like, they need to yes. see what they've got with, with this batch of, of pitchers. They need to have a couple of them hit. We need at least one of these guys to be a stud and one of these guys to be a top three guy. So then you have to give them actually opportunities to pitch, right? You have to make room in the rotation for these guys. Because I think that was, I don't know if I would call that the flaw of this year in some sense, but signing Shoemaker and Hap thinking you that, that would, they were going to be the difference makers on this team was clearly not the right decision. But I also don't know, did they, ha did they have young guys they could have even... It's not like young guys would have stepped into those roles. Like, they weren't ready. Yeah. Well, and seeing that most of the pitchers that we're using now, they acquired at the trade well, line. Right, that's I mean, the other thing. Yeah, yeah. It speaks to some of the prowess of the front office that they were able to get the returns that they were able to get. Absolutely, because Nelson Cruz is only hitting like 235 or something like that for the Rays. I mean, to get the prospects that they got... Because Joe Ryan, was he was in that trade, right? He, he wasn't was in the In Brios the Tampa trade. Bay trade, correct. So the fact that they got that... First of all, I think it's a testament to how much Tampa thinks this is their year. Yeah. Um, and also, they've just got great 
pitching prospects just, you know, falling out of the doors of their offices, I guess. Somehow. Things like that. <laughs> you would think Rocco would have picked up on some of that when he well, was in the organization. Well, you would think so. Anyway, what do you got? Yeah, so last episode we talked, Dan, about my feelings for the Twins waxing and then waning and then, and then waxing again. And that is where I find myself. After this series, it shouldn't matter, Dan. It shouldn't change my feelings that much. But all of a sudden, I found myself more optimistic about next season if the Twins can acquire decent pitching. <laughs> So one of they the, played the Cubs, David. I know, they played the I know. Cubs. One of the factors that played into that was Garver's great return to the lineup because that's really what my true musing is, Dan. Will Garver be able to bounce back next year? I think they have to let him try. I mean, right now he's only played in 62 games, but he is third on the team in OPS with 887. Like, and, and considering the way that he has he has oscillated between being healthy and not being healthy, I think that's a pretty impressive line. I'm with you. I, I hope they give him a chance to bounce back. I don't see them spending money on an additional catcher. I don't see them doing it. However, it should be noted, too, there was an article at The Athletic, I think it was Aaron Gleeman, and he basically said that the Turtles' time with the Twins is likely over. I saw that, too. I was a little sad about that. Well, should you be, though? Because I don't don't think, Dan, that a World Series winning team has the Turtle on its roster. So, I mean, all that being said, I do think that they give Garver the chance, and I think he could. I think he could bounce back. I think he has the capacity to be an all-star catcher. I think that's clear that he has that capacity, and we'll see. We'll see. I mean, just you look at the sample size. I mean, Ryan Jeffers had 80 games this year, and his OPS is 673. I think we know who the better hitter is here. As much as Jeffers has had his his flashes of of playing well, I, I just think Garver's the better player. Yeah. Well, with that, let's go ahead and push forward to the series grades. Series grades. This is an A. This is an A for me. How is it not? How is it what, was? What it was enjoyable. Them? Yeah, there was the games were entertaining, and the Twins won them both. So yeah. I, I guess the only way you could lower it is if, is if you're lowering it because of the quality of the team. And at this point of the season, I don't, I don't think we can do that. No, no, it's it's strictly about entertainment value. I think for me personally, and the Twins won in two games at Wrigley. It's a fun time. Give it a may. And we'll see you Puckets picks. This is a key moment for you here again. It is. It Puckets is. picks. So let's give a little context again. So the listeners have won three in a row, all facing elimination. So credit the listeners. They're going to stick with Donaldson because why not? Yeah, it's so frustrating. What's more frustrating is that you get the next pick, I think. Absolutely. But then I'm pretty doomed to whoever I pick is going to get a negative score, I think, at this point. Um, I will stick with Polanco coming home against the Blue Jays. I think he, I don't want to say he's extra motivated. I think he's just clearly the best player. He leads the team in like every major statistical category. When you look at the stat lines, you're like, wait, he really leads in that, 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 that. What? (laughs) Is there a stat that he doesn't lead in? Yeah. So now you get to make the tough pick here. This is tricky because the question is, how much faith do I have that Kepler's resurgence was real? How many games is Mitch Garver going to play in? And is Buxton healthy? So I got Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of questions swirling in my head. I don't really want to go with the rise because he just doesn't seem right to me. Mm -mm. (sighs) I think you go with Miguel Sano. No, that's not happening. Alex Kirilov. No, no. <laughs> what? I'm going to I am going to stick with Buxton. I'm going to hope that he plays in a All couple right. of games or even if he only plays in two out of the four, I hope that he he does enough to to secure me the victory. This is come on now. It shouldn't be that difficult to have either myself or Dan Thompson win. Um, you know I was joking about Kirilov, right? I know he's not playing. Yes, I am I just, aware. I'm okay, aware. I just, that was a very humorous line, Dan. I'm well, sorry. It didn't seem I'm very sorry. funny. <laughs> you didn't laugh. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> 
Um, I have one quick Herbie's headline, and I like to ask you about this because I know it just bothers you. Thank you. Um, I think baseball is inevitably going to expand its playoffs. So to what? To more teams. That's the definition. How of expansion. many teams? This is what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's probably going to happen. So how would you do it if if they said, David, we're going to expand the playoffs. You have to expand them, but you get to pick how to do it. How would you do it? Well, let me get over my shock and horror, first of all. Let me ask a couple of clarifying questions so I can understand. Expand from the current setup where there are two wildcard teams? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) I assume it's like a... There's not a maximum, right? I I could just have everybody make the postseason? (laughs) You you could. You could have whatever you want, David. Okay. You're commissioner. I'm going to keep the regular season at 162. Side note here real quick. I had a live draft party at my house for fantasy football, and guys were talking about how they, man, they really, really need to reduce the number of MLB games. The season, it's just too long. Okay, quick, quick, quick note here, folks. This is so stupid. One, how does it impact you even a little bit if they play 12 extra games or not? How on earth does it affect you? If anything, they're going to have a few extra off days through the season, and they're probably not going to be off days because they're going to have to make up games that they miss because of weather and other related issues. So you're telling me you think it's vital that baseball reduces the number of games by 10 to 12 games because that's going to increase the fan base? What are you talking about? Dan, the people who think this way, they're either not really baseball fans or they're people who think... Oh, I'm going to fart in a glass and smell it because my thoughts are so brilliant that I can fix all these problems. What problems? What problems are you talking about? The very best thing about baseball is every day you can look in the newspaper and you can say, how did my team do? That's what's most important about baseball. That's what makes it great. It's a grind and the best team should win. All of that to say, Dan... (laughs) That when it comes to the postseason, having one-off games or even best-of-three series in the postseason is an abomination, Dan. That is an abomination. So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to keep the postseason. Obviously, the division winners are all going to get in. Clearly, that's what's going to happen. Then we're going to have three wildcard teams. So I'm only going to have to take one more team because I don't want any more than that. The top wildcard team gets a buy. Okay, the two lower wildcard teams, they're going to play a best of five series. Then the winner of that will play the wildcard team that got a bye in the first wildcard round in a seven game series. Then Dan Thompson, then we get into the actual postseason of baseball, which should have started at the very beginning in which both the division series, championship series and World Series are all seven game series. Those David, are we're my playing baseball choices. in December. I this don't calendar care. Here. I, if, Dan, if you're going to make me add teams into the postseason, I'm going to do it the way I would want it to be done. And that's how I, I want it to be done. I want the series that matter the most to have the most games. I am over it, Dan. And I, if they expand the playoffs, Dan, I'm going to keep watching baseball because I love it. But I will still just be dying on the inside a little bit every time I watch another friggin' wildcard team make the postseason with a sub-500 record. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Gardy's gripe. I got you a little worked up there. I just, it's so frustrating. Why you would even ask me this question? <laughs> Why you would even ask me this question? All right, you better send us out here, sir. I, uh, 
Let me compose myself here a little bit. Why you don't even respond? <laughs> you don't even respond to my perspective. You just say, "Let's get out of here," because I, I'm worried you know, you're going to attack. A, me. When a vol- when a volcano is going off, David, <laughs> you you don't just you don't sit and stare at it. You walk away. You run. You run <sighs> from the volcano, David. My goodness. Okay, this is not Pompeii. Okay, well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win, and you can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you can leave us a rating, that'd be great. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins.